Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today, we will be doing a head-to-head episode discussing our favorite fungi and film from In the Earth, Phantom Thread, and Midsommar. Warning, spoilers ahead. Kat, it's a special day. It's a special day, and we are joined by Rooted Podcast host and my childhood friend, M. Grebner-Gaddis. Thank you for being here, M. How are you? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me. It is such a joy to guest on your pod. We are very excited. I'm actually feeling nervous. I'm like, this is our first like special episode like this, so hopefully it goes well. <laughs> Yeah, this is a huge milestone. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be your first guest. Um, It's a hat I wear with pride forever and always, so thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, so you're like our main pod friend. We've been following each other's podcasts for a while now, and you've been doing such a fantastic job with yours. We were just talking the other day about how you have a wonderful podcast voice. (laughs) Yeah, did you tell Em what I texted you that day, Kat? (laughs) Yeah. I know. I started listening to M's podcast, Rooted, and right away I was like, oh my god, she has such a good podcast voice. <laughs> I sound like garbage. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And I texted Kat. I was like, Kat, do I have a bad voice? <laughs> and I was like, what is this in reference to? What's happening? <laughs> oh my gosh, you don't. And it's so funny, Remy, because I was actually telling my husband when I first started listening to you and Kat's podcast that I was like, they have such good podcast voices. And like, I'm just out here reading my scripts, cursing the land with my plant packs. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having a good time. Okay, I feel much better then. (laughs) Yeah, please tell us a little bit about Rooted. And what was your inspiration for that? Like, why? Why is that something you love so much? Got it. Yes. So Rooted is a plant history podcast. Um, so we talk a lot about plants, the science behind different species of plants, and then their histories. So the way we've interacted with them throughout time and culture. Um, and I guess the thing that really got me interested in it was um, actually in school, we started talking about Greek mythology, and I noticed that my favorite stories were the ones that had plants in them, and they made me really start to question, like, how are we using plants now versus how we use them then? And, like, surely they're still super important, but why do we only think about them when it comes to, like, farming and gardening? Um, mm-hmm. So that's really what got me interested. Um, and I'm a podcast, like, person kind of by trade. I'm in media, so... I just finally one day was like, you know what? This needs to be a podcast. The world (laughs) needs to hear me sharing my cursed plant facts. Um, So I'm going to have to just make my own little corner of the internet where I can share that with everyone. And here we are. Yeah, I think it's so cool because living in America, like we don't really think very much about more holistic medicine practices and things like that. And I think that plants have been such a huge part of Eastern medicine and your facts educate me so much on the history of how those have been previously used. And yeah, I just think that it's such a different perspective. And it's really, really interesting. Well, thank you. Yeah, I have a lot of fun. And I feel like I learned so much each episode and just producing them and really trying to kind of broaden my horizon when it comes to understanding different cultures through plants. So um, definitely a joy to create and just kind of exist in that little area of the internet. 
trying to think of if we've got anything to cover before we jump in for the day. We've got kind of a lot of ground to cover. So this is a head-to-head episode, and if anyone who's listening has not listened to our head-to-head episodes in the past, head-to-head is a format where we start with a common overarching theme and each bring a piece of media that fits within that theme. So today's theme is fungi and film, and we'll each go through our piece of media, what we love about it, and why it's something that sticks out to us. And then at the end, we will find all of the areas where they overlap and make our friend diagram. Sounds great. So first, we will have M kind of tell us about her piece of media for the week. Yeah, of course. So my pick for the week, it's a film called In the Earth. Um, it's directed by Ben Wheatley. He also did Sightseers, which is a dark comedy. Um, and that one's actually a pretty fun watch, too, if you're just looking for something kind of low-key. Um, he also did Free Fire and High Rise. It stars Joel Fry, who's in Our Flag Means Death. He's the main protagonist. Um, Ree Shearsmith is John Wolfe and See How They Run, and he's the main antagonist in this film. And then Haley Squires, who was Maria from The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne, she is the supporting lead. And they all do a really great job kind of embracing their roles in this very dark film. It is definitely a fungal horror forward film, which I really enjoy for some reason. They just really, it creeps me out in the best way. Um, obsessed with it, especially knowing as much as I now do about fungus. It's just such an interesting take in horror. Um, and this movie specifically follows a scientist who's there to study the mycorrhizal network in this specific forest because it is very nutrient rich. So there's a lot of really interesting things going on with the plant life and the forest itself is very uniquely fertile. So they're hoping that somewhere in this forest, there would be this mysterious cure to a virus um, that has kind of taken over the earth. So it's just this guy. And then his guide is this park ranger who's there to protect him while he's in the forest Not only from like the different kinds of wildlife that are there, but also from the people because a lot of people have kind of left society to go live in this forest and they can be a little bit kind of dangerous to interact with because they really don't trust authority or anyone since everyone may have this virus. Um, So it's kind of this interesting atmosphere of like not really knowing who you can trust and everyone kind of being pitted against each other. So it all starts off pretty normal, right? It's this guy and his guide, and they're kind of walking through the forest, and you're like, well, it could be a little creepy, but it's probably fine. Um, And the whole movie is honestly just from there, a slow descent into absolute madness. Um, You watch these characters interact with different people and different things in the forest, and you're never really sure, like, what's going on. The whole thing is also pretty gory, so if you're sensitive to body horror at all, which I definitely am, I would say definitely watch it with a buddy. I force my husband to watch these movies with me so that I can like close my eyes and look away from the screen. Um, So I would say definitely if you're sensitive or squeamish in any way to like squelching or any of that kind of gory (laughs) nastiness, um, definitely don't watch this alone. Um, There's a lot of really interesting pieces, so it's okay if you don't want to watch them. I certainly didn't, and I don't feel like it impacted my understanding of the story in any way. Um, I also just really love the cinematography in this movie. I just really like movies that are very, like, woodsy and dense, um, and especially, like, creepy. Blair Witch is another good movie for me, so this one really checks a lot of the 
it boxes for me in terms of like imagery and things like that. Um, and then another big theme in the film is that everything is connected. So obviously there's the whole storyline of the fungal network and the forest itself is a character in the movie. So they don't like beat around the bush in that sense. Like they're very literal about it. Um, but I really loved the way that the forest is a character in this movie and the way that it kind of forces everyone to interact and the ways it points out how connected we are to nature, even when we don't necessarily feel that we are. Um, and it brings up a lot of really good points about that, like how we're all connected. Um, and also it really pits a lot of different characters against each other in different ways to kind of allude to the idea that there's never really any good or bad thing in nature. Like we're all just trying to exist, trying to live in the way that feels right to us. And sometimes that means like going after different groups who are maybe living differently than we are. Um, so that's like a pretty big theme in the movie. And it also kind of helps with that sense of motivation throughout the film. So yeah, that was my synopsis of the movie, I guess. <laughs> Do you guys have any questions or anything? I try to be pretty vague just because this isn't a movie I've heard a lot of people watching. And I think it's worth a watch. So I didn't want to like spoil any of the main points or anything. Yeah. Where did you stream it? Um, we did stream it. So we streamed it. We ended up just renting it on Amazon for this one. Um, but if you have a VPN, you should be able to watch it on, I believe, Amazon Prime um, without that. Or if you have a subscription to Showtime, it is streaming there for free. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. I do have the Showtime <laughs> plugin for the moment. Oh, there still. You go. <laughs> yeah, it's still lingering. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I, I never canceled my Audible either. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm stuck in a Showtime loop. But yeah, you really had me at Joel Fry. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll watch it. The squelching is just a bonus. <laughs> There's a lot of squelching, I can tell you that, Remy. Get ready. Oh, man. That sounds awesome. That reminds me, just kind of vibes-wise, of that one X-Files episode that Kat and I really like, where um, these like beings are like hyper camouflage do you know the one i'm talking about i actually thought about bringing that for this episode of the pod really i did yes do you think they have a similar vibe i definitely do think they have a similar vibe i feel like it really is that kind of like dark creepy mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. a kind of like claustrophobic paranoia inducing environment mm -hmm. yeah very absolutely. cool yeah, it was also kind of making me think of, like, the happening a little bit, where the plants are kind of fighting back against humanity. Are, is is it that the fungi are, like, almost sentient, and they have, like, a motivation? Not really. The point is mostly okay. just, like, in nature, the way that plants are kind of fighting to conquer this, like, oh. the fungi kind of do that through their mycorrhizal network. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really about that, like, about who's conquering what and i didn't mention this but they bring in all kinds there's like this creepy like old forest god that they bring in that's really good Ooh. um so there's a lot of like creepy vibey things in there that i think you guys will like i love that fun yeah they don't quite go like um the last of us in terms of like fungal horror it's not really that vibe it's like a yeah. more subtle kind of thing gotcha i love mm -hmm. that yeah but they both kind of incorporate that larger network mm -hmm. idea Absolutely. as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Cool. I already feel like this friend diagram is going to be challenging with three circles. 
Yeah, I'm like taking notes and I'm like, okay, so this connects definitely with mine. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to like note where it connects with Remy's as well. I but- know. I think I'm really going to uh, cause problems here. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to actually get like a whiteboard and diagram. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay, so my favorite piece of media this week is the 2017 film Phantom Thread, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Daniel Day-Lewis and Vicki Kreps. And I have touched on this film a couple times in the past on the pod, namely in the Top 5 Comfort Media countdown that we did recently. And just also in passing, because for some reason, it's frequently on my mind. (laughs) Um, But this is uh, one of Paul Thomas Anderson's newer films. And in my mind, it is kind of a departure from a lot of his previous work, in that it is his most refined and restrained film. And I think that is not just in the style that he tells the story, but the scope that he tells um, in the story is also very constrained and refined. So in contrast to some of his more sprawling films like Boogie Nights and Licorice Pizza, you're not focusing on many, many different people. It's a pretty tight focus on Daniel Day-Lewis's character, Reynolds Woodcock, who is a mid-19th century, or sorry, mid-20th century fashion designer in London. And his, I guess you could call her new love interest slash muse, played by Vicky Kreps. Her character's name is Alma, and she and Reynolds meet in a restaurant where she's serving tables, and they spark up this relationship that you track over the course of several years as you watch the very like regimented and strict and set in his ways Reynolds uh, try to incorporate Alma into his life. Um, and you, in turn, you're also watching Alma like do her best to find and carve out a place in a world that wasn't built for her inclusion, if that makes sense. So Reynolds is extremely particular, very fastidious, and just fussy. Um, Upon like several rewatches, I find that Reynolds gets funnier and funnier with every rewatch because he's so fussy about things. It almost becomes like comedic. So for example, he does not like when people eat too loudly at breakfast because it (laughs) throws him off for the rest of the day (laughs) and upsets him. So he is just, it turns out to be kind of really funny, but he's like a really type A kind of guy. And that has really served him in his work as a fashion designer, because you have to have like a very critical eye for detail and you have to be like very uh, demanding. But Alma, she's much more, um, I don't know if I would say free spirited, but she's much more like driven by her passions and doesn't really like to put up with Reynolds's bullshit and just wants to like learn about him and embrace his talents and have fun. But she doesn't want to be suffocated by his life that existed before her. 
And so that's why I say she's like carving a place for herself in his life throughout the film. And she is such an excellent character because watching her push back against this like really strong character of Reynolds is probably my favorite aspect of the film because he's so domineering um, with everyone else in his life except for his sister that seeing the sister and seeing Alma like actually push back um, it's really satisfying and so there's this constant power struggle and push and pull between those two characters to see who is maintaining the upper hand in the relationship um, and one of the ways in which Alma eventually secures the upper hand permanently. Um, this is kind of a spoiler, but it's necessary to incorporate my piece of media into the theme this week. Um, Alma discovers that there is this type of mushroom that she can find in the woods uh, outside their country cottage. It's called colloquially the yellow stainer, and she like looks it up in like a mushroom guidebook and knows that it's poisonous and she feeds it to Reynolds on purpose first in tea she like grinds it up and puts it in his morning tea and he becomes very very ill for uh, several days and so ill that they even call a doctor and he has hallucinations and a fever and is very sick and in the process of him becoming very ill, he kind of shifts into a very vulnerable state that he rarely downshifts into, but is the way Alma likes him to be. And so she knows that using this mushroom, she can make him downshift into that preferred state. And so that's how she kind of takes that power in the relationship. And you see the fallout of her using that mushroom, and I think, if I'm remembering correctly, it results in Reynolds proposing to her because he sees how much he wants her to be in his life and taking care of him and there for him when he needs her. And so over time, you know, the power shifts back and forth, but in the final confrontation in the film, Alma is cooking an omelet with the mushrooms, and... Reynolds has done something to displease her. I can't remember what it was offhand, but they're kind of like coming to another relationship climax. And he watches her cook this omelet with the mushrooms and she serves it to him. And you find out in that final exchange that he knows that it's poison and he knows that she's doing it to him on purpose to make him be the way that she wants and he willingly accepts it. And so the power dynamic shifts again, finding out that he knows what's going on. And in that way, the mushrooms play a critical role in the exchange of power in this film. And I just really enjoyed watching this like titanic struggle between these two excellent actors giving excellent performances take place. And it's really, I think, a masterclass in examining a relationship with really tight focus, but still acknowledging that 
these people are bringing in so much stuff from the outside world and feeding that into that relationship. And I don't know. It's just a fantastic film. It's shot beautifully. And Johnny Greenwood delivers another fantastic score. It's like a highlight of his range as a composer in terms of like just the contrast between something like his score for There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. which is like menacing and almost um, lurching at times and kind of mechanical and then showing a extremely like classically influenced, refined of kind of flowing score that is weaved throughout Phantom Thread. It's uh, a really a, a showcase of his talents as well as a composer. And it's just all these people like at the top of their game, like DDL is crushing it, of course, <laughs> like always. PTA is crushing it. He's showing like filmmaking that he can do that he's never shown before. Johnny Greenwood's crushing it. Vicky Krebs is crushing it. It's just... <laughs> So many people doing really excellent work, and I highly recommend it. I think I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, this is like one of your big comfort movies recently, right? It's like something that you've been coming back to a lot recently. Yeah, because it has no like outside implications outside Mm -hmm. of their relationship. You're just like focused on what these two people are doing, but they're being so compelling throughout that you just get like sucked into their world Mm -hmm. and like reading the subtext and reading like all the other conversations that are going on in people's faces and in the actions they're carrying out. It's, it's so rich in nuance that you can really get sucked into it and forget about (laughs) whatever's bothering you. I think it's available on Netflix right now, actually. Very nice. Perfect. Well, I am talking about Midsommar today, which is the 2019 film directed and written by Ari Aster. This is one of my favorite movies and one of my most rewatched movies, actually. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, it's not your kind of like traditional horror film. It's kind of a mixture between a little bit of body horror, more like cult suspense in general, um, but just a really wonderful film. The general premise is that a group of friends travel to Sweden for a Midsummer festival that takes place every 90 years. So it's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity And all of these friends are, or a a majority of these friends are actually anthropology graduate students who are like planning their thesis and they are like focusing in on Midsummer as a festival. And so this is kind of a mixture between like a pleasure trip, but also a research trip. And as the film kind of continues, things get kind of ominous. People start going missing from this um, like small community and no one can find them. And so I don't really want to get too much into spoilers for this. Um, because if you haven't watched it, I think it's a really fantastic film and I can talk about a lot of the things without spoiling any of the big plot points, um, which makes this film like so much fun for me. 
But this is a film that I didn't like the first time I saw it. I was enraged by this film. (laughs) I was so angry at the characters. And I told my partner, Scott, I'm never going to watch that film again. I hated that. It was so unpleasant. And a couple days later, I, I like had kept ruminating on it and thinking about it. And I was like, I got to watch that movie again. So the next weekend we watched it again. And I had a totally different like affect reaction after that. I was like, this is actually like really thought provoking and deep. And um, once you get past like everyone who's a piece of shit in the film, you get into the concepts of like processing grief and learning to be um, less codependent and less reliant on other people. And I just think that it touches on a lot of really relatable concepts. The main character, Danny, suffers like a really tragic loss at the beginning of the film. And through this loss, she gets driven closer to her partner, uh, Christian. And Christian is not, like, their relationship dynamic is not healthy. Like, he wants to break up with her, but because of this tragic loss, he doesn't. And um, they just, like, kind of get driven closer because she's so codependent on him. But he's also a very, like, emotionally manipulative person. Like, he does awful things and then kind of, like, spins it back on her. Like, well, you're being crazy. And then she immediately caves. I really love the way that, like, Danny's character is written. It's something that, like, I relate to in my own emotional journey. And I also think that the writing of Danny is, like, a real testament to Ari Aster's ability to write, like, really deep and complex and emotional characters. And, uh, like, some of the scenes that Danny is in are so emotionally raw and they're so ugly and painful to watch. Um, we see this in Hereditary too, where the mother goes through this like extreme loss in that film. And there's just this scene where she's like scream crying and just emoting so verbally. And it's so unpleasant to watch. Um, people grieve like that, but it's such a realistic picture of grief that it always like sticks with me. It's a movie to me that's about the importance of empathy and about the importance of grieving with people and how that helps people on their healing journey and how Danny doesn't have anybody who can grieve with her. And everyone's just kind of tolerating her grief and waiting for her to heal on her own. But when she's exposed to this community of people in Sweden, like they grieve with each other and they emote with each other and they are all like so connected because there are multiple scenes throughout the film where one person is in pain and everyone else is also crying out in pain and their facial expressions are showing this like intense grief and pain and it can be physical pain or emotional pain but it's just Danny is not getting that from the people in her life right now and this community is able to show her what she's missing from her relationships. And I just think that it's so raw and just like really, really evocative for me. And one character that especially kind of gets that concept across is Pele, who is 
part of this friend group, but he's also from this Swedish village that he's taking all of his friends back to. And Pele at one point has a conversation with Danny um, and he's talking about his own experience with grief and losing a loved one or loved ones. And um, he talks about how living in this community, he never had the chance to feel lost. Like the community was always like supporting him. And he says, I've always felt held. And eventually the conversation kind of turns to Danny's relationship with Christian. And Pele says to her, do you feel held by him? Does he feel like home to you? And I just think that like that dialogue always gives me like goosebumps. And it's someone who's seeing Danny and seeing her struggles in a way that no one, that everyone else refuses to. And I just, I love that dialogue. I love that character. I think he's, his motivations are so obscure and, Every time I watch the film, I get a little bit more from him and my perception of this community shifts more and more towards like them being the heroes of the film, which is not how I started like when I watched the film and the, for the first time. And I just think that it's so dynamic. And every time I come back to it, I get more out of it. And I, that's just why I love it so much. Um, the last thing I want to touch on is going to be like my tie-in for this episode. But I just think that the film is so visually stunning. It is shot very well. Um, the cinematography is just absolutely beautiful. And like, there's a huge creative team behind all of this, but some of the people involved, um, I feel like I'm going to butcher these names, but I do want to give them like credit because they just did a fantastic job with this. So the cinematography director was Paul Porgazelski, who also worked on Hereditary as well. And costume design was by Andrea Flesch. And the art direction team was led by Saba Lodi, who is also has also been a part of the art department for the Dune movies. So um, just like a really fantastic art direction team. And... I love the scenes where they are under the influence of hallucinogenics. They have like ritual um, teas and things like that, where there's uh, like a mushroom tea that Danny gets served at one point and everyone else just takes regular mushrooms. And I just think that all of the psychedelic scenes are so beautiful and show like this connection to the earth and the nature um, that is all around them. Like there's a scene where Danny has drank mushroom tea and she's just sitting in the grass and the grass looks like it's growing through her hand. And there's a later scene where the she's like petting these leaves and they look like they're magnetically drawn to her hands. And I just think that that's such a cool effect and just really pretty. And then obviously the final costume is so iconic. And at that point too, you're also seeing these like flowers that are responding to Danny's like emotional states. There's like a pulsing flower up by her head that um, changes based on what's happening. And yeah, I just think that all of those scenes were so well done and so subtle. 
they weren't like in your face, but they were just like really beautiful and showed this like connection to not only the earth, but also because of these like mushrooms, Danny is also able to connect with the people in the community even better. When they are doing the dance competition, she starts speaking (laughs) Swedish potentially, or just gibberish to another person that, and they are like able to communicate with each other. And um, it's just kind of showing that this disinhibition for Danny is allowing her to connect in a whole new way and heal from her grief and um, everything that's been going on with her. And I just think that like it lands so well, it's so subtle and it's just a really beautiful film. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's definitely up there in terms of like my favorite films. Yeah, I definitely think the first 20 minutes of that film are by far the hardest part to watch for me. Because it's all interpersonal. Yeah. Just grueling interpersonal grief and like terrible interactions that (laughs) I, they're so hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And just the lack of empathy and understanding from that group of people is like so painful to watch. Like this person has gone through an a horrible tragedy and the only person willing to like engage with her on that is Pele. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And even that's like painful and hard to watch too. But mm-hmm. yeah. Have you seen that film in? Yes. It's one of my favorites too. So yeah, definitely a good film. Definitely thought provoking. And actually the same, the first time I watched it, I felt the same as you where like, <laughs> I was like, I'm never watching this again. That was so brutal and so awful. And like, no one warned me. Everyone told me this was a safe movie for me to watch and that I would have a good time oh, with all no. the plants. And now I'm over here like emotionally wrecked. I'm never going to recover. And then like the next weekend, I was like, we should watch that again. I'm I love ready. That. That's like, so validating for yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm ready. Let's watch it again. And my partner was yeah. like, maybe give it a couple weeks and then we can go back. So good. What a masterpiece. I can't wait to see what he does next. I'm so excited for I'm Bo so is Afraid. Excited. When does that come out again, Ren? April. Sometime in April. Yay. Soon. That's so exciting. Yeah. Well, I have lots of notes. So, Great. um, yeah, I feel like I have a lot of two circle overlaps and maybe only one three circle overlap. Yeah. I will say I did not make any circles or any overlaps. I'm so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I, was, I was just listening. I was like, this is great. I'm having such a good time. I'm like in their episode. It feels like I'm listening to it. And then I was, we got to this point and I was like, oh, fuck. Like I was, I was supposed to be writing this whole time. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. So I think one like complete overlap and it's going to be a little bit of a stretch. Okay. But is that all of these movies in essence are about connection. Um, so in, in the earth, you have this mycorrhizal network where everything's connected. And that is also being compared with humanity's connections and competition and things like that. And then when we move into, um, phantom thread, we have this connection between the two main characters that's also being mediated and helped along by this like mushroom that she's feeding Daniel Day-Lewis's character. Mm-hmm. And then in Midsommar, 
we have this idea of connection of this community, but also increased connection to nature through the psychedelics that they're taking and increased connection to each other with the psychedelics as well. So that's one kind of stretch uh, that I've got. Yeah, I had one. I think that was good. Um, Another overarching commonality that I had was power struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, So in, in the earth, it seems like there's like a power struggle amongst humans, but also fungi v humans as well mm-hmm. um would you say that's right and i would say that's like pretty accurate yeah what do you think is the central power struggle i would say it's definitely there's a lot of like interpersonal mingling that gets really complicated so honestly that would probably be the biggest dynamic but it's hard to get into that without like spoiling major big parts of the movie um, but I would say, like, human v. human is a really big struggle and dynamic. And then just, like, generally, like, they talk a lot about power dynamics within nature. So it's not necessarily, mm-hmm. like, fungus versus humans, just in general, like, all of nature, kind of. I see. Okay. Um, and then, so, yeah, I would say it's arguably a part of in the earth. Um, but it's kind of central to the relationship in phantom thread but also i think it's what's playing out during that initial phase of midsomar when you're seeing danny and christian navigate this relationship and particularly this trip because there's so much weird like upper hand power that christian has at first because like you described cat danny is very um kind of non-confrontational or mm-hmm. she kind of gives up very easily but then suddenly when this tragedy happens she's almost given the upper hand by having all of this grief though no one deals with it correctly so mm-hmm. it kind of all just devolves into this like like terrible interaction where she ends up going on this trip almost out of like everyone else's feelings of guilt mm-hmm. um, and then obviously power struggles ensue once they get to the festivities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had like complicated relationships in my notes because mm-hmm. there's like a complicated relationship in um in Phantom Threat, but yeah, that constant like flip in the power dynamic there. I also think that uh overlap for all of these that we all mentioned was that it just has like beautiful cinematography um, and the expression of the ideas on film like comes across so well in, in such like a visually appealing way. Um, that was one thing I had in my notes. Yeah, I noticed we all brought that up too. <laughs> Do you want to go through any of your like two circle overlaps for me? Oh, you know, I just had a couple really small ones, like Midsommar and Phantom Thread both have mushroom tea. That's fun. Yeah, I had that in my notes too. Um, In the Earth and Phantom Thread both have characters named Alma. Oh, (laughs) really? Oh, that's so good. Um, Yeah, what were some of your uh, dual overlaps? Um, I noted the rewatchability of Phantom Thread and Midsommar. Those are movies Mm -hmm. that we both come back to. Um, Remy, but, um, hallucinations. I had that in my notes between, uh, Phantom Thread and Midsommar. Mm -hmm. Um, for 
in the earth, I had that you you spoke that about how there's like a concept that we're all a mixture of like good parts and bad parts. Um, and I think that that really comes through in Midsommar as well. Like no one is like everyone has their vice in Midsommar, I feel like, but I feel like it's more complex than that. And that even when you're like viewing this community from the outside, like it is a mixture of like really good and really bad because the things that they're doing are really bad. Um, but like, it's just so much more complex than that. So that was one of my notes for that. And then, oh yeah, I had a note that like there's gore and body horror between those two. Like mm-hmm. in Midsommar, there are some pretty intense body horror scenes, <laughs> um, which really shocked me um, the first time I watched it. So that was one of the things I was thinking about as well. I honestly kind of think that, like, complicated, no one's necessarily right or wrong, even does kind of tie into Phantom Thread, because, like, in watching that film, there are definitely times where, obviously, we all know you should not, like, drug people with mushrooms and things, and that definitely, (laughs) like, upon hearing Alma does that, you're kind of like, well, that's, like, not right, that's obviously pretty terrible, but in watching the film, it's not something where you watch it, and at least I wasn't, like, outright horrified by the fact that she was doing this. Like, you can kind of understand why she's doing it and where she's coming from. So I think Mm -hmm. that complicated, like, everyone's doing what they need to or what they think they need to to survive um, is kind of a theme throughout maybe all three of them, honestly. Yeah, that's a great way to tie it all together. Mm -hmm. I love that. Very eloquently put. Yes. Thank you. I had a lot of time to think about it. (laughs) Well, if we're ready to wrap up, I just want to thank you so much, Em, for joining us on this episode. We had so much fun having you. Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. So definitely go check out Rooted Pod, and that is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Yeah, it's streaming pretty much anywhere. Anywhere you can find your podcast, we're probably there. Okay, perfect. Well, also tune in for the second part of our crossover series as well. That will be on the Rooted feed in the next week. So we're really excited to learn more about the fungus that we brought up in today's episode and just learn some new things from M. Yes, I can't wait to curse you all with all of my fungal knowledge. So it'll be a good time. thanks for joining us this week on friend diagram thank you to tyler seek for the creation of our intro and outro music did you take any of our recommendations have any thoughts on the show let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.